welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hello, my name is Jacob. I am a sexaholic. Welcome to this panel on rigorous honesty. I will be the moderator for this panel. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during the session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. We'll begin this meeting with a few moments of silence followed by the serenity prayer. The serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Our panelists for this session are Muse, Josh H., and Dick B. Each will share for five to ten minutes on the topic. We will then open the meeting for sharing. Please join me in welcoming our speakers. Um, my name is Josh. I'm a sexaholic. Josh. Um, you know, I guess uh, um, to start off, I uh, this section on rigorous honesty. Um, you know, um, I will. I guess I I, I looked and uh, I combed this book, um, which is basically um, some text taken from uh, you know a lot of AA and, and twelve step stuff, and I. Um, found in here uh there's a lot of topics on honesty you know and um you know in it, it, for me one thing was uh it really struck was page 17 and uh I'll just read that right now um the perverse the perverse wish to hide a bad motive underneath a good one permeates human affairs from top to bottom this subtle and elusive kind of self-righteousness can underlie the smallest actor thought Learning daily to spot, admit, and correct these flaws is the essence of character building and good living. The deception of others is always rooted, nearly rooted in the deception uh, of ourselves. Somehow being alone with God doesn't seem as embarrassing as facing up to another person until we actually sit down and talk aloud about what we have so long hidden. Our willingness to clean house is still largely theoretical. When we are honest with another person, it confirms we've been honest with ourselves and with God you know and I like to always remember a prayer that is um, breathe in God and breathe out me which um, I can kind of say um, even if I can't physically pray uh, that time is a good way for me to surrender lust but for me this reminded me of something in particular you know um, before I came into essay you know I think that you know rigorous honesty can take um, a multitude of, of, of forms and, and it has a ton of you know uh, different ways it can be interpreted there's over honesty you know for me I think the most important thing the most basic place I have to begin is uh, I have to know how to be honest with myself you know and that's what I have to do before I I can truly embrace this program and way of life and, and recovery you know um, 
like it talked about here, hiding bad motives underneath good ones, you know. So I mean, I, I, it was it was it was smoke and mirrors for me before I came in here, and I, I remember one time I was going to volunteer at like a at an elementary school or something, and I just had one, you know, like many uh, hor- horrific, you know, crazy acting out binge that was under controllable that the night before, you know, and. It was, you know, but there was there was another side to the coin. So on the, I remember I showed up that day, and uh, and I, I I go into the school, and um, they said, you know, this person was supposed to come and uh, to volunteer as the cat in the hat, and they're not here today. Will you, you know, uh, be the cat in the hat? And it's these kids in in kindergarten. I'm like, well, sure, you know. And I go in, they get me all make you know, dude up, and I get the the whiskers on my face and all this stuff, and I have, you know, I go out and these kids are going crazy, you know, and they're crawling all over me and they're 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 laughing and they're so excited, you know, and I knew that there was something wrong because you know I have these people showing me love and these kids that you know are just so excited yet I cannot receive it you know I'm literally just deflecting it and uh it was just like man they don't know who I am you know no one knows who I am um and it was right before that that I talked to my sponsor in AA because uh, I'm in that program and was in there before I got in here and I called him and I really had to get honest and I had to say look you know I know I had like kind of explored a meeting with the letter S in front of it um, but but I, I, I really I, this has gotten out of control and I need some help and he gave me a number of somebody he said you know I know there's this person that's in in in, uh, in AA who is also in this other fellowship and I want you to call him you know and uh, I did and that guy turned out to be my, my sponsor in SA and uh, it is, it is, it's changed my life, you know. And that, that was the thing. I think for me, beginning, the first step of honesty was just saying, admitting powerlessness, you know. I admit, honestly, that I am powerless over lust. Um, that I, I didn't even know what it was, actually. I just knew I was powerless over acting out. <laughs> that was just the, bat, the bottom line, you know. I, and, and I was powerless over the shame. And, uh, and all the other corrosive elements that this thing uh, led me to. Um, and uh, I think that for me, the best part about, you know, about SA, you know, and, and, and merging these two different recoveries is that I, you know, um, I don't, you know, if I don't have to be the cat on the hat on the outside and then something else on the inside. For the first time in my life, there's actual synchronicity, you know, um, if I feel good on the outside, I, I feel, you know, I think for me, um, I feel really good on the inside too. And there's, there is, um, there is, uh, a continuity to that, you know? Um, I mean, there are days where I have bouts, you know, there are moments and days where there are bouts of shame, but for the most part, you know, I mean, I, I will have to say that there has been... <laughs> It is, there has been so much healing and so much freedom with taking that first step, you know, of rigorous honesty um, and, and, and into a life that I could have not ever possibly fathomed, you know, into an amount of freedom and conversation and, and seeing people and interacting with people. And, and, you know, it starts with, you know, me being honest on a daily basis. You know, I wake up, I'm honest. When I, when I hit my knees, I'm being honest. I can't do this alone, you know. Okay, uh, I get a trigger, you know, I throw it up to God, I make a phone call, I'm being honest with someone, I'm not trying to hide that, you know, um, and there are times where I have checked stuff in that I would never say to anybody, ever again, <laughs> you know, ever, uh, it, there's things that I've admitted that about myself to a sponsor that I would, I mean, they are just atrocious, you know, for me to think, you know, I mean, I, I would just... Um, that I've had to take the deepest, you know, the darkest corners of my being and my addiction and, 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 and find at least that one person that I can lay that out for, you know. Um, and for me, that's a sponsor, you know, my sponsor. And I'm just very blessed that I, I did, like it was almost shared, like it was shared in the speaker, you know. It doesn't matter what it is. I can be explicit with them. And I think that's really important for me is there is one person that 
you know, I can really be rigorously honest with. And I feel like that that that, that parallels because when I'm truly honest with another person, you know, um, uh, about my addiction, that gives me the ability to be honest with God. Um, and I, I think that you know, for me, that can, is the sequence that it goes in sometimes, you know. Um, I'm not saying I put my sponsor before God, but, you know, that is definitely a conduit, you know. It's sort of like the gatekeeper to my connection sometimes because in order to feel that conscious contact, I have to share that shame and I have to share what is triggering me or what I'm obsessing about or, or what I didn't want to talk about with anybody. You know, it really opens the door. Um, so that's, um, you know, something that's just been really important to me. And, um, you know, I don't know, again, there's over-honesty, you know, too. And that's something that I don't want to fall deep into. You know, I mean, I, I think that for me, I can sometimes, uh, and this has come up with me today, is mistake humility with humiliation, you know? Oh, am I going to be dishonest with the group if I don't check in the deepest, darkest crevices of what's going on with me? If I have a triggering thought right now, do I need to explicitly say this to everybody? Well, no, I really don't, you know? Um, Because I think that could hurt everyone in here. Um, But it is important that I have at least one person I think that I can share this with, you know? and you know, I can humble myself before someone. It, uh, you know, um, so. And and another thing, really quick too, is you know, it, there have been times where you know, there have, you know earlier in you know earlier in recovery where you know there may be a girl or someone who was interested in uh, in, in going on a date or pursuing a relationship with me, and you know, she asked me why I can't go out, you know, and I'm not going to say, well, because, um, let me, let me tell you that, you know, you got a minute, let's say the serenity prayer for you, you know? so, <laughs> you know, um, so I think that, you know, like it says in this book, uh, we, we don't need to say stuff that's going to hurt other people, and, you know, especially, I don't need to put my own well-being in jeopardy, um, in my own anonymity, in, in jeopardy, you know, and someone else's feelings in jeopardy too. There's the reason we, we uh, I think we consult with someone before we make an amends. Um, so anyway, that's all I got. Thank you. My name is Masay. I'm a sexaholic. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for this uh, event today and uh, God's grace that I'm able to participate in it. Um, it's definitely a testimony to this program. Um, uh, this uh, rigorous honesty is uh, something that I have had to learn in this program uh, through a process that has uh, been shown to me by others who have been in this program a lot longer than I have. Um, when I came in, I, I had nothing at all to do with honesty. Um, I uh, came out, came in many times and uh, tried to get sober, just going to meetings and, um, you know, carry a white book around uh, and then just go back out and do whatever I wanted to do. Um, you know, what eventually happened after seven and a half years of that was uh, a long-time sober guy was my sponsor's. Um, he said to me, he asked me, he said, did you slip? I said, yeah. And he said, well, when were you going to tell me? And I said, uh, well, I was going to, you know, I can find an answer. And he said, you know, one of the things about this is um, if you can't be honest with me and, and honest with yourself and honest with God, we're not going to get anywhere with this thing. And uh, our uh, sponsor sponsor relationship ended there. And I couldn't get it. I, I was like, what does he mean? I'm calling. I'm going to meetings. I mean, of course I'm being honest that I wanted recovery. Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't being honest with myself. And I wasn't being honest with God. And I, because of that, I couldn't be honest with him either. 
And it was very hard for me to hear that. But I have to say that was the moment of some healing starting to happen in my life. Um, I started asking God to help me be uh, honest with myself and honest with Him and, and honest with the, with the next man in the program, my sponsor or whoever uh, that would be. Um, and I, you know, my natural tongue was a lie. <laughs> You know, uh, everything about me was a lie. You know, I, sh- uh, you know, not to say anything about anyone else, but I personally shaved my head for eight years, um, and that to me was a way for me to look younger and uh, attract, uh, you know, a particular type of uh, acting out partner, and uh, that was just part of my persona of being something that I that I wasn't. I want anyone to know that I was going bald. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because that would get in the way of me uh, acting out, and one of the some as the process of learning how to be honest came about was uh, part of also accepting who I am as God made me to be, uh, and being who I am for me took a lot of prayer uh, because I was terrified that anyone would know who I was on the inside. Um, and as I read you know, to, to my uh, sponsor's direction in the big book, I started talking about very early on, honesty, one of the tenements of, of recovery. Um, even a dude that's got mental illness is able to recover if he's willing to be honest. And on and on and on, so many different examples of Bill W. talking about honesty. I said, well, how the heck does a guy like me who can't speak honestly, can't be honest, get any kind of recovery? Is there any hope for me? And, and, and from that time until today, on a daily basis, I'm asking God's help in being honest with myself, honest with Him, and uh, honest with you guys. And uh, it, it latches on, honesty latches on, with open-mindedness and willingness, you know, uh, which are the other two tenements uh, that I, you know, one, two, one of the three things you gotta have for recovery, as I, as I read in the big book. Um, some of the ways that I stay honest are uh, daily inventories. Um, I get to, a chance to see who I am and what my character defects are uh, as the day uh, progresses. And then I get to share that with maybe the next man that I speak to on the phone the following day, uh, sharing uh, about my weaknesses and um, what I struggled with the day before. And um, uh, another uh, great gift of being honest that I have found is uh, letting anybody uh, go through my phone, uh, namely my wife. that was just not going to happen before recovery. It just was not going to happen. Uh, I would be terrified. I would have to hide my laptop before uh, anyone came over to visit me, whether it was family or anyone else. Um, today, my laptop is at home. My wife knows the password. Um, my wife and I share the same password on our phones. Um, she didn't ask for that. Uh, I made it happen. She was shocked that I was even going to do that. Didn't make a big deal out of it. Just kept on going. Um, you know, I come into uh, this process, this recovery business, with a mind that I have trained to lie constantly, and it doesn't go away. You know, my mind is constantly telling me all sorts of lies, and what I have found is by speaking to another person in this program, coming to meetings, listening, um, I get in touch with reality, which is truth. Reality is honesty. Uh, it's, some, it's, a, it's not been a place that I have known for a long time, but in this program, I have grown to learn to be comfortable in honesty and grow in it. And uh, because of that, incredible gifts, incredible I don't know what you want to call them, um, uh, just rewards, freedom, 
freedom to be who I am. You know, freedom to be and grow into that human being that I always wanted to be. You know, and uh, the gifts. You know, sometimes I stop and like, God. You know, I've gotten way better than I ever thought I would <laughs> or ever wanted to be. To be honest with you, and uh, it's just it's just a testament to the program, a uh, testament to uh, that it works, even to a low bottom, to uh, a guy who can be totally dishonest and took pride in fooling the other person. Um, so uh, this rigorous honesty is a thing that I have. Uh, learned did not come in with and I continue to learn and uh, one of the biggest examples for me is the guys who stay sober and the things that they're able to share and one of the things uh, and that in the fifth step uh, sharing that honesty with my sponsor things that I just wouldn't even bring to the light um, you know I did my fifth step twice with my sponsor the first time I gave him the things that, you know, would hear normally in, in meetings. And then I went home and it said something about, well, you know, if we've, if we've left some things in the dark, you know, the chances of a relapse uh, were pretty high. That's not where I wanted to be. And maybe fear got me to be honest. I made another appointment. And I was terrified. And that's one of the biggest things I've experienced sometimes of trying to be honest is working through that fear and the program gives me the tools uh, to work through that fear and be honest and I think shedding light on some of those really gross things of my inventory in the fourth step with a, another living human being and it's, some, it's now outside of me with another guy out there in the world that brought about an incredible amount of acceptance and uh, relief and freedom I'm grateful for that. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, everybody. I'm Slavo. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, I apologize uh, for being late. Um, you know, I would like to tell you that, uh, you know, the... Uh, I can't even come up with a good lie, you know. But, uh, but make something up, but I'm really not very good at... Um, uh, judging time, well, and honest, honest to God, but uh, that uh, 285 has a construction going on. But okay, so a little, little uh, honesty here. That honesty doesn't come natural to me, and I much more readily, even without trying, you know, uh, tend to bend the truth ever so slightly. As a matter of fact, that just happens naturally, and often I feel like, oh, it's not a big deal, it's embarrassing to correct that, so let's just move on. So my sponsor introduced this idea of uh, rigorous honesty when, uh, when it turned out from my uh, four-step inventory that it was a defect of character that I had uh, being dishonest. So he suggested that I try rigorous honesty, and the way I understood it was that I have to make an extra effort to say the truth, whether it, whatever I'm saying is big or small, whether it has consequences or doesn't have consequences, whether the person likes it or not, whether uh, you know I, I find it personally beneficial or, or harmful to do so. Uh, so, and his suggestion was to start small, uh, just start developing a habit, the awareness of. Um, how much I'm not telling the truth. So, for example, uh, you know, I go to a store and, and uh, a, a person forgets me to, to charge me for an item, right? Wow, I got a freebie, great. You know, I said, no, you can't do that. You have to go and tell them you forgot me to, to charge me for that. Like, well, you know, it's a big deal. You know, I already left. I went home. I uh, was driving back. They're going to look at me. Dude, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, you came back. To, you know, to straighten it out. I'm like, no, you have to do that. I'm like, okay, all right, I, I can try that. Uh, same thing when when my wife asks me, how was your day? And uh, I can't say, I was fine. Yeah, it was just great. And I have to actually be mindful of um, 
well, my day actually was kind of bad. You know, I was tired and uh, things didn't work out how I wanted. Or just tell my wife I don't want to talk about it now. Uh, but I can't just brush off. So those little things is where he suggested I would start. And honestly, that problem for me was really hard to do because bending the truth and lying was just so automatic. My favorite thing, still gives me a lot of trouble, is uh, winning an argument. You know, like I'm arguing with somebody and I know I've got a point, but I have no facts. But you know what? I remember reading somewhere uh, in this program on TV, the guy, you know, the scientist they discovered. And no, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, but, you know, I, it's, uh, in the end, I, I was told I can't do that. And I have to stop, you know, try, try eliminate that. And from that, uh, from that I can go on to a bigger things where, you know, things really that matter if I acted out that I have to be honest with somebody. Now, let me emphasize that rigorous honesty doesn't mean dumping, you know, guilt-driven kind of uh, pouring out of confessions. Uh, I just have to, with things that, that are really important, have somebody I'm rigorously honest with, uh, like a sponsor or uh, a program buddy. It, it won't, won't do any good to just go and tell my wife that oh you know I I you know I spent my whole day last lusting after this uh, woman at work I'm being honest do you see that you know are you happy uh, it just, just doesn't doesn't work that way and um, uh, you know so so it doesn't mean dumping it also doesn't mean that I'm always correct uh, I once heard somebody say that honesty has to do with intention so I, I may say something that doesn't turn, turn out to be true, but as long as I make an effort to say what I, to say what I mean and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and what I believe the truth to be, that, uh, that is uh, good enough. Now, one more point about rigorous honesty is, is that it's... It's not perfect honesty, you know. It's rigorous honesty to me, meaning that it's it's work, it's an effort, okay. And uh, uh, I'm I'm pleased that I get to speak about this because I think I need a refresh on uh, rigorous honesty myself. But uh, uh, you know, what else do I want to say ab about this? The, the main question of this talk uh, is why is it so hard? And I can tell you two things for me, why, what, what makes it so hard, other than the habit and just uh, uh, you know, the, the ease of, of, of uh, lying that comes to me. One is that I have this illusion that I'm not okay and my life won't be okay unless I get to bend the truth and to lie, okay? That people won't like me, okay? I won't get as much uh, money, prestige, love, acceptance, promotion at work, whatever you call it, unless I lie, that I'm not okay if people really know me, okay? So, so the illusion is that lying pays, you know, and, uh, and, and, and it gives back. Uh, and, and related to that, the second reason is fear, that unless I do that, bad things will happen to me. I, I either will lose what I have, okay, or I won't get what I want, okay? So, uh, so those are, uh, that's what goes on uh, back of my head all the time. How can I get what I want? And, uh, but here's what happens with, what I discovered with rigorous honesty, that my whole life, when it, as I was doing little things and big things wrong and, and, you know, and bending the truth here and there, each of those instances feels like has added like an ounce of weight to my shoulder. So let's put it this way. And it's not a big deal, you know, maybe one, one time. But then over days, years, months, and so on, that weight adds up, okay? And I didn't realize how much weight I was carrying until I started, you know, little by little, you know, correcting things, especially if I said something that's not true, and then 
if I can right away say, you know what, I, I don't know why I just said that. That's not what, what I should say. I want to say this. And I found that people take that okay. They don't go, what's wrong with you? Are you like psycho? Are you a liar? No. You know, they say, oh, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. Uh, and, uh, and what a tremendous relief it is to find out that I'm okay. You know, I'm okay to say, uh, say the truth, and people don't necessarily throw me out or, or leave me or think I'm a bad person. And uh, uh, I like what Mose shared. I have exactly the same experience that now I have uh, so, mu- so much fewer, uh, if I have to say that, I have uh, virtually, I can't think of anything that I have to hide. I have uh, on my computer, on my phone, on anywhere in my uh, drawer, where, where I used, uh, you know used to keep uh, pictures and all that, and magazines. I have not, none of that. I don't have uh, fear that my wife is going to find something. And aside from that, uh, I don't have a, a fear that I'm going to get fired. I used to think, yeah, I'm going to get fired. I don't know what it is, but I know I've done something. Why? Because I can't keep track of all the lying I've done. You know, somebody's going to catch me. Okay? Uh, the relief just from making one break of habit of lying is tremendous in my experience. It's, uh, it's joyous, free. It's, it has all the uh, benefits of recovery, uh, you know, like that. So... Uh, Mm, but what what I should add is that there is a trap that it's easy to say, oh, this is so nice. I'm now honest, and and then things start, tend tend to slip back, and those ounces of weight can get back on the shoulders. I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling so good anymore. Well, why is that? Well, I told my daughter yesterday that I was going to take her to park in ten minutes while I was watching TV. That was fifteen minutes. It was like seventeen, twenty. I mean. I need to either tell her I'm not going to take her to the park or take her to the park. You know, those little things like that, they add up. Um, so, but the solution is you know, make a, uh, share with somebody, make amends, you know, ask God to help you become willing to remove that defective character. So that's, and that's what I have. Thanks, guys. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during the meeting. We do not cross-talk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not the we or the you. We leave our other identities at the door, including politics, religion, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the SA point of view. Our meeting focuses on the SA approach to recovery. So whatever, whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not SA-approved literature. We avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. When sharing strays, we remind each other of our commitment to these guidelines by quietly raising our hand. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check in, please find a partner in recovery someone with a smiley face on their name tag, and after the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share to please come up and sit in the chair next to the microphone in a queue. As one person moves to the sharing chair, the other just moves over, and another person takes the empty chair. So that as many people as possible have a chance to share, please limit your share to a maximum of two minutes or less. Please speak in the microphone so that those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion. The meeting is now open for sharing. Hi, my name's uh, Bill. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I have a question and uh, would like uh, to see what uh, your opinions might be about this. Um, You know, I often, when I have to be rigorously honest, I'm fearful of uh, telling my sponsor. So what I do, and I've actually um, told my sponsor to do it, is what I tell him to do is st- I, I start checking it in with other people because um, 
that is easier for me to do than to go straight to my sponsor because I have this fear. So I guess the question I have or would just like to hear people's opinions is is that fear of going straight to my sponsor first um, a healthy thing or an un unhealthy thing or, or am I letting fear um, get in the way of my rigorous honesty? Josh, that's a hard. Um, I actually relate to this because something similar to that happened <laughs> yesterday. Um, <clears throat> I was at a store. Um, uh, I was at a, a music store getting some musical equipment the other day, and uh, this the, one of the store owners who was giving me a discount was a friend of mine, and he was um, he he was like, "Hey, did you you know check out this?" pornographic film I made and I was like what I mean I could see him typing something on this laptop and I was like what I don't you know I didn't know what the hell I was going to say you know I was like I can't I'm allergic to that like you know I was terrified <laughs> as to what to do especially this guy's a friend he's giving me a discount and then I'm like he's going to think I'm a total loser if I'm like no you know and I'm just like oh my god yeah I literally tried to like I was like can you see if my items ready like can you package it up um what about my other thing can you just uh, you know can we get this to the car like and I thought like I had distracted him but then I noticed him like turning this in my direction and I'm like oh my god and I you know and I just like just like I'm just gonna like not look at it and thank god it wasn't it was just like a, this parody of something and it wasn't pornographic but you know for me um what came from that is I was so fearful to tell my sponsor that, you know, because I have a problem setting boundaries with somebody that I could, you know, I compromise my recovery as well as I've, I've done it with my career, you know, and my, my personal health, just not being able to say no to people, you know, and, um, uh, you know, overextending myself. And my fear, you know, a lot of my fear was to call him because then I was going to get this, What's wrong with you? You know, why are you doing, you know, how could you, you don't have any boundaries. You must not really be sober. And, you know, he's definitely not that kind of person. And, uh, you know, all he said was, um, he, he said, the prayer we say next time is we go into that situation and God give me the ability to do what you need me to do and say what you need me to say, you know. And I said, but I just feel so shameful and terrible about what I did that I, you know, that I'm just a phony and not everyone's going to think I'm a fraud that I didn't set these boundaries. And he said, uh, said, no, we don't go there. We just do better next time, you know, because I've trained myself to ruminate in shame, you know, through the years of acting out. And, um, you know, for me, um, that was just a really great thing to hear, you know. And and um, it, I, I heard this quote the other day. You know, I've already I've already concluded what was going to happen in my head before I even made that call. You know, I'm going to get prosecuted. I'm going to be destroyed. I'm going to feel terrible about myself. Um, and I heard a quote in these uh, in in a, in a 12 step room that said, I've, I've had a lot of tragedy happen to me in my life. You know, I've experienced a lot of tragedy in my life, and some of it actually happened. And uh, <laughs> I really like that quote because, you know, I had already experienced the, the, the stones being thrown at me, and in fact, it was just a complete fallacy that I had created in my head, you know. So I think for me it just goes back to being rigorously honest. I didn't want to check that in with someone I needed to check it in with. I was afraid they were going to think less of me. But when I did, you know, God really took the wheel and I experienced a heck of a lot more grace and freedom than I would have, uh, I think, any other way. So, um, you know, I'm just really lucky, too, that I have a really, I think, great sponsor who is not about shame but about love and kindness. So, thanks. My name is Sam. That's a hard I think that's the one thing that pops up every time I want to be honest uh, is fear um, and that's that uh, and this has been touched upon that you know I'm not going to get something that I want um, you know self-preservation is something innate to every human being that when that they're born um, and I don't want to get harmed um, 
And sometimes, if I'm going to be honest, uh, that's what I'm afraid of. You know, this guy's going to chew me out, my sponsor. Um, part of it for me is that to surrender the right to whatever the outcome is going to be. You know, uh, down to the, to the core. Whatever my sponsor is going to say, whatever the outcome of this situation is, um, I've got to surrender it to my higher power. And the, the option of not telling my sponsor or telling my sponsor is not an option at all. There's something I need to bring uh, to him. Um, it's, uh, it's critical. Sometimes, you know, my mind, I've got a mind that tells me, oh, that's not important. Well, I don't need to mention that. That mind that always talks to me. And it's a mind that often lies to me and tries to keep me from growing and, and recovering. And uh, that fear, you know, I've got to use the tools. It's the only thing I have. You know, my program doesn't work. The only thing that works is the program I'm learning and growing in is this program. And, uh, the fear of prayer is one thing I, I use um, and try to surrender the outcome of whatever my sponsor has to say to me, uh, to my higher power. And I'm, I'm grateful for... Uh, I think through the process and time uh, my sponsor has shown me time and again there is nothing that I can't share with him um, and um, I'm grateful for that Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Well, I guess I'll chairman just two, two things very quickly uh, one is I can relate uh, to that two is part uh, there is concept of transparency that's important for rigorous uh, with rigorous honesty and I find that it's not good to sort of let different people know pieces of me. Somebody has to know all of me, and that's mm-hmm. the sponsor. Uh, so, so I would say uh, I would, my gut reaction is that uh, he needs to know. Uh, and uh, first and second, uh, I, I can relate to the, the fear, uh, but. It, what I find it is that there's more fear now that I'm in recovery because I have an image to defend, you know, mm-hmm. because I've been part of it for a while, I've been sitting sober, you know, I'm not as bad as when I was, but what I have to remind myself, I'm just as naked as I was then, okay, there's nothing to lose. Um, so, you know, just, that helps. Tell. Hey everybody, I'm Terry, I'm a lust addict, sexaholic. Um, one, there's one thing I want to make perfectly clear to everybody growing, going bald will not stop your acting up honesty honesty was what brought me to this program I, I had to Terry's cosmic rules of the universe. You, know, you cannot break any of these. I had them, and you have. And if you lied to me, you're, you know, I, I will nothing to do with you ever or anything. Problem is, nobody else in the world knew Terry's cosmic rules of the universe but me. But um, w- what I found was, the more I acted out, the more I had to lie, and that that was kind of my bottom. You know, I'm not hurting any. All these rationalizations, not hurting anybody. You know, it's my own money or whatever. Well, then, how come you got a lot of people about, especially your spouse? And I couldn't find a way to continue acting out and not lie. So the only solution I had to stop acting out. Didn't know how to do that. Um, and then, so when I got into the program, and it, it talks about. Honesty, and you know, some talk about you know, honesty, openness, and willingness. And the, the chips, I don't know if they still give them out, but they used to say, you know, to thine own self be true. And I thought that was a biblical quote. It's from it's from Hamlet, and uh, I don't remember the exact wording after that. But in essence, it says, uh, if you can't be true to yourself, there's no way you can be true to anybody else. Because you don't even know that you're lying or not. And uh, that was my problem. First of all, you know, you, we lied to... Per- so we didn't get caught. Lied, I lied to protect myself. I lied to get what I wanted. 
Sometimes I even told the truth to get what I wanted. I tell the truth to somebody about something that's not so big so that next time they would believe me <laughs> when I lied about something big. Uh, and, and then when it got to, you know, how do I be true to myself? I don't know what I feel. I have absolutely no concept of what's going on in me. And that's what what Bart Potter meetings was really helpful. Hear other people talk about what was going on with them and say, oh yeah, that's what's going on with me. Oh, okay. And learn a little bit more and a little bit more until I can be honest with myself. Um, Just a little side story here about about the honesty. Um, I was selling a car or, or trading a car in and buying a new one and trading it in and the... Uh, the used car manager wasn't there. So the salesman says, you know, is there, is there anything wrong with your car that we should know about? And I figured, surely there's a dispensation for lying to used car salesmen. <laughs> 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 I mean, there, there, there has to be. And so <laughs> I didn't, t- there were a couple things like that. You'd never find like the sunroof didn't go all the way back. It stopped or something or one of the seat belts didn't work. That night, I just was rolling. I couldn't stand who I was. I was hung over because I hadn't told the truth. And I went back the next day and found the used car sales the manager, you know, and t- and he's looking at me like, what? what? Nobody, nobody ever tells <laughs> me that you know they they lied to me about it. Uh, I said, you know, I told him if you want to, uh, you know, kill the deal or whatever or change the price on what you gave me and. He just said, man, no one has ever done that before. Go ahead. No, go ahead. He had never seen that. <laughs> He's still trying to figure out what my scam was. <laughs> okay, and I want to tell you something that for me was harder than telling the truth to a sponsor. And that was telling the truth to a sponsee. Okay, you know the sponsor. He's up there on the on the pedestal. He doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't have any problems or whatever. Uh, and I'm going to tell you that you know I look at it and say, oh man, if I tell the sponsor this, what's going on? What are they going to think? And I can every single time they'll say, thank you for you know for sharing that with me for the honesty there. Because it really helps me to know that, okay, what I'm going through, everybody's going through, or, or that it's not going to go away right away or whatever. Um, the issue I want to bring up, and I'm going to tell you, I sponsor a lot of people, and every married sponsee I have has the same question. And I, what do I tell my wife? And when you know, some wives don't want to hear anything. Some are there asking every single question or whatever. You know, is it, you know, and if a wife says, you know, did you lust today? Oh, man, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I lust every day. But, you know, but, you know, I surrendered it. And uh, is it really honesty? Do you need to tell them that? Uh, or did you ever act out over there? Did you ever act out over there? And, uh, um, and it's hard, especially when, when you're new in the program, because... You're afraid your wife is, doesn't trust you at all, and and you've done all these terrible things. We, I, sorry about the you. We've done all these terrible things, and we feel bad about ourselves, and we think we owe it to our spouses or whatever to be honest. And yes, we do. But I personally think there's a there's a line there, and I, I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons. One is I've discovered in my history that really the core behind my disease was my um, codependency. That's what was really feeding my addiction. To want, to, you know, to want people to like me, to think how great I am or whatever. And I found that when, looking back, whenever I really acted codependently, that was always a trigger to act out. So if I'm doing things today or, or I've got two months sobriety, and the only reason I'm doing it, I don't think it's right to tell or, or anything, it's just so that my wife won't get angry or, or there won't be or whatever, 
I don't feel good about myself and I'm really in a quandary. Uh, because if I don't tell her, she's going to leave the marriage or whatever. If I do tell her, then she's going to want to know more and more and more and I'm not being true to myself. The second thing is that I've found I can't look back and it's not healthy for me to, to say, okay, who did you lust after today? I don't want to picture that person and say, okay, let's see, I was in the market and there was this one or that one. So it's not healthy for me to go back there and look at those things. And uh, all I'm saying is, if you're new in the program, I understand that dilemma we're in, and I haven't found a solution for it. I've, I've tried and tried with you know, different sponsors. And my, uh, one of my definitions of a sponsor is, is someone who's got time, experience, strength, and hope in the program, gives you advice as to what to do, and then if that works, they try it. And <laughs> so <laughs> if anybody has any solutions on, on that one, I, I'd like to hear it. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Jerry. Hey, I'm Tom, a grateful sexaholic. Hey, Tom. Um, in thinking about this whole um, issue of uh, rigorous honesty, let me first say that I am uh, a, a chronic relapser and um, over the, the past few years had uh, a number of instances um, where I've had some, some periods of time of um, sobriety, even moderate recovery, but eventually got back into a, a time, of sometimes extended periods where I was in an active uh, relapse. In looking back on those, this whole issue of rigorous honesty um, became a, a central thing to me, and and that's why I'm I'm in this breakout today. In the chapter five of the big book, it tells us that we're going to have to develop a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty, and and I think that's a given. Uh, looking back at the the relapses and the slips I've had. Uh, I've lied to my wife, I've lied to my sponsor, I've lied to my group and about what I was doing and that was that's a given. I lie to them because if they knew the real me they wouldn't like me. I wouldn't be the person that I built myself up to be in my own mind in their eyes. Um, of course after afterwards I come to find out that no one thinks I'm perfect except me, um, and so it's it's uh, not terrible. It, it it doesn't ruin their image of me to find out that I'm imperfect. So in going back and looking at these, how then do I develop that manner of living with rigorous honesty? Well, the next part it, it talks about those who can't recover are usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. In looking at my relapses, you know, it's one thing to say I'm, I'm acting out and I'm being dishonest. Well, let's do a root cause analysis. Let's go back and see how did the all acting out get started. For me, almost every time it starts with being dishonest with myself. I tell myself the four most dangerous words I can hear in my head. I can handle this. <laughs> I, I get somehow in my head after a period of, you know, I, I get some relief from my obsession, and I begin to believe that I'm either cured or it's not going to affect me, and I can dabble a little bit. And then once I'm in it, of course, the shame builds up, and I don't want to admit that to anybody, so I keep that up. But then I'm also lying to myself by saying, well, that's not affecting me. That shame, that resentment is not building up, and I'm not having to medicate that. And you can see where this heads. This is just a, this is just a vicious cycle. And pretty soon two guys come and tap you on the shoulder and say, we've got to come talk to you about what IT found on the network today. Um, and that happened two months ago. So... For me, I've got to go back and be rigorously honest with myself. That means admitting that I am an addict and I will always be an addict and I can't handle this. There will be times 
when it will appear that I can handle this. And that'll be great. I will celebrate those. And I will still, I will talk to my sponsor and my wife and my group about those times. Um, I've got to figure out how to, how to maintain that time. I'm looking forward to that because I hear people talking. I see it in their face. Other people have figured this out. So I'm in the right place. Um, and I just wanted to share that. Thanks. Thanks. I'm John, a grateful sexaholic. Uh, when I first came to SA, um, we would go around and introduce one another, or introduce ourselves and uh, tell our bottoms. And some people in our group would tell their bottoms, and I remember thinking, I don't think I'd have shared that. And I didn't like it. And I thought, you could have just said some general stuff. Um, but then uh, I began to realize there are some things that I'm not sharing that I ought to be sharing. And uh, um, I started adding, um, I'm drawn to voyeurism. And I'm ashamed of that. Um, and I was hiding that. And it was because other people were being honest in our group that I could bring that out. And, you know, nobody got up and left. Uh, nobody really even blinked an eye. Um, and it was a, an opportunity for me to grow in honesty. And I'm grateful for those guys in my group who were willing to be honest to allow me to grow into honesty. Thank you. I'm Chris, my sexaholic. Thanks, guys, for the leads. I thought that was really great, and I appreciate all the shares, too. Um, yeah, for me, rigorous honesty is um, the, the toughest thing. Uh, I've been in the program for seven years, and uh, I'm coming up on two months of sobriety, so uh, I'm definitely a chronic slipper. And my latest relapse was all about uh, being rigorously dishonest <laughs> with everybody else. Um, I'd read the line in Chapter 5, and it said, you know, constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. Well, I was being honest with myself and with God. You know, I was apologizing to God every night and beating myself up every day. But I just could not be honest about what was going on with the relapses. Um, and when I finally did become honest and, you know, talk with my sponsor who, who had to fire me and started working with my new sponsor, a lot of people were saying, well, you know, I really appreciate that honesty. And they were kind of praising me. And, and that caused a lot more shame on top of the shame of coming clean from the relapse I felt ashamed because people were saying well it's great you're being honest it's like well it took me like 14 months to be honest and uh, you know it just felt horrible for the first couple weeks and what I kept doing was just talking about I wasn't lusting but I was in such a shame place I, I mean I felt like I was digging through you know mountains of shame and I just had to keep talking about it and being rigorously honest about you know the lust isn't that bad, but I'm just just feel really, really ashamed um, of of what I had done. And um, for me, right now, what I'm trying to do is just be rigorously honest about the lust. And you know, what I like to say to myself was, "Well, I'm being reasonably honest. You know, <laughs> not rigorously honest, but reasonably. You know, it makes sense to me." And um, the other thing that I noticed too, being rigorously dishonest, was that I was. I was becoming more and more insane. I was already crazy enough when I got here, but that double life, I was living that in a, you know, even more so because I was having to build up this facade more and more on the recovery side. But then, you know, in my head, I was sitting in meetings, listening to people share, but also thinking, I'm just a freaking liar, you know, just the whole time. That was like what my mind was telling me. But then my mind was also telling me, I appreciate what was shared about, you know, my mind lying to me. It was like, but it's okay. You know, you're sober five out of seven days of the week. That's pretty good. You know, and it's just insanity. So in order to have, you know, in the white book it talks about true union. I think in order to have true union with, with myself, to be a whole person, I need to be rigorously honest and transparent. And what I'm doing when I'm, you know, by myself and not with the fellowship needs to be something that I can share with anybody in the fellowship. My sponsor first, if need be. But, and, and if I'm not being rigorously honest, then I'm going to start having that split again and, and get into insanity and the negativity and the shame and all that. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, 
that's all the time we have. Thank you for your participation. Please join me in thanking our panel. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.